Hey there, future fans. This week, we meet Disneyland's derelict cousin, we help rebuild Germany, and E.T. is kind of a dick. It's the week of March 15th, 2019, and this is episode 126 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show welcome back uh you may have noticed starting with the last episode the really late episode i'm sorry about that and i will try to remedy that as in not do it again but but we all know it will happen i mean i will I will be really good for a while releasing on wednesdays and then a thursday will happen i'll go back to wednesdays again and then i'll randomly miss a week i try to be perfect I'm not, and I thank you for your patience. Uh, you may have noticed, uh, like I said, with last week's episode and this week's episode, a change in the name. Well, apparently iTunes is requesting that podcasts don't have the name of their show and the episode number as the name of the episode. So Future Fix with Billiam episode 126 could not be the name of this episode. Otherwise, we would risk them pulling us. And then where else would you get your movie news? What would happen? It would be chaos. You wouldn't know what to watch. You wouldn't know what to think about movies. You wouldn't know what news there is. You'd just be lost. You'd be in this black expanse of nothingness. And you would be crying and I wouldn't be there to help you. You could not cry on my shoulder. And I could not tell you it would be all right because my show would be off the air. But luckily, luckily I am changing things uh, after uh, Snarf Chris made me aware of this. And I really didn't know what to do for for an episode name. And then it just came to me. You know how I do that intro like this week, Disneyland's derelict cousin, blah, blah, blah. If you've realized all of those things I say coincide with some movie coming out. Sometimes a reference is really obvious. Actually, a lot of times a reference is obvious. Sometimes it's a little more, a little bit more of a stretch. So I thought I would do that with the name of the episode. For a while, I thought about naming it like j just the two big movies like last week would have been Captain Marvel and the Kid and have that be the, the name Captain Marvel and the Kid episode 125. Uh, but the show is so much more than that. And I, I don't think there's enough I can do for the name of a single episode to say what the show is going to be about. So I just thought I'd, you know, come up with it mere moments before posting. What's so wrong with that? Nothing. So you are listening to episode 126 of Future Flicks with Billiam, titled Horses, Parks, and Alien Occupation. We have quite a few movies this week. We have, let's see, let's count. Let's do an official count. We have 15 movies this week, and this is yet another week where the wide releases and interesting indies outweighs the limited release section. So that means it is a good week for movies with... This many movies in the wide release section, I, I do believe you would find something to like. And we have, as always, the news and the trailers, and we have some interesting news. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about the biggest one that you've probably seen if you watch the watch the news on the televisions, if you get your news that way. 
if you're fancy, uh, but you probably heard about it. So we're, we're going to discuss that just a little bit. And I mean, just a little, I'm going to tell you what the issue is and then make a joke and then move on. Cause let's face it, this show, you know what? Let me tell you what this show is about just in case you're new. So you are listening to future flicks with Billiam. I am your host, Billiam. Do you see how that makes sense? That makes so much sense. And on this show, I do quite a few things. We always start out with some nonsense rambling, which you've already heard. We then go into the news. That's any new movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And I don't always catch everything. So if I miss a movie news segment, a little tidbit of information, you can let me know. And in the next segment, I talk about all the new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And you can tell me if I miss one of those going, hey, Billiam, you missed this awesome looking trailer. Let's talk about it. And I'll talk about it on the next episode. Or even if you think it looks really shitty and go, hey, Billiam, I think this looks shitty. You should make fun of it. And I'll go, why? Thank you. I will. Then we go into the movies, which is broken up into two different categories. First is the limited releases. Those are any movies that are getting a limited release and also didn't really catch my attention. For those, I just tell you the name what it's about and who's in it, then we move on. Sometimes I'll say a word here or there, something that I liked about it, something that bugged me about it, but then we we, we really keep it short. Then we have the wide releases and interesting indie section. Those are movies that are wide releases and wait for it, here's the kicker, interesting indies. These are limited release movies that caught my eye that made me go, oh, this could be good. This could be interesting. So I put it in this section and in this section, I tell you what the movie's about, I tell you who's in it and I give my thoughts on it and then I wrap that all up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. You don't always have to sing song it, okay? It just helps. And you may be asking yourself, Billiam, how? How do you know so much about all these movies? How do you know if they're going to be good or not? Well, my friends, I only base my judgments off the trailers. But Billiam, isn't that kind of like judging a book by its cover? Well, yes, it is. But I believe that a movie should do the best job it can to sell itself to you. Thus, if it doesn't do a good enough job, I can either ignore it or ridicule it. So after the movies, we go into the very last segment, which is called the question of the week, which is a segment that will last as long as I can think of questions to ask. And I'll tell you what, each week it really does get harder and harder. And I know by this point I've repeated some and it it doesn't occur to me that I've repeated it until someone answers, usually Brian Q or Fratmat. They will answer. They will give me the same answer they did the first time, because why would your answer change, really? I mean. Duh, it's the same question, same answer. And I'll go, oh, crap. Yeah, I do remember asking that. But I like to think I I at least get a little inventive with it. Well, how do you find me? You've already done a good job. But you can also find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. And also on that website, you can find all of the blogs I write. I write a lot about books. I do movies every once in a while, which I should really get back into more. So I talk about books and movies on the website. This podcast is just movies. And then let me see, how do you get in contact with me? How do you answer the question of the week? How do you ask me a random ass question? Well, you can comment on SoundCloud. You can comment on the Summer Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Those are the ways. Please don't forget to become a patron of the show, of the network. There is a link in the show notes. There's also a link on the Somewhat Nerdy website. If for some reason the link in the show notes doesn't work, 
And finally, I am part of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. We are a family of podcasts. There are three of us. And we have the flagship show. We have the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, a bi-weekly random nerd talk podcast, which is really good. I am a fan of both of the shows on this network. And I, I also believe that had I never joined the Somewhat Nerdy crew and I had stumbled upon the show, I would have listened to it, even if I wasn't doing a show on the network as well, because they're both good. The other show is the, is, is, someone nerdy, is the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. This is a podcast about wrestling, as my dad likes to say. Because, you know, I'm, I'm 35, and my dad still likes to point out that it's uh, it's scripted. And I'm like, well, well no, no sh**, Dad. You've been telling me that since I was a little kid. Th- thank you for that information that you think I forget weekly. But if you are a fan of wrestling, and why wouldn't you be? It's amazing. Listen to that podcast. It is a great one. They are very well informed. And in between the breaths of Chris talking about New Japan Wrestling, he does talk about, or they do talk about, WWE as well. I'm kidding. I love your face. Well, that's enough with the intro. Let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from Variety. Do you love visiting Sesame Street? Well, who doesn't? And we can all visit Sesame Street on the big screen on January 15th, 2021, That's right, Warner Brothers and MGM is bringing the children's classic TV show to the big screen. There's no news about the plot, but we do believe that uh, Big Bird, Bert and Ernie, Grover, Oscar the Grouch, Cookie Monster, Elmo, all of them will be in it. This next story comes to us from Collider. Hey, do you love Stephen King? Me too. Well, we have even more Stephen King coming to a big screen. So this year we have Pet Cemetery. We're going to have It Chapter 2, and we're going to have Doctor Sleep. Uh, maybe not this year for Doctor Sleep, but at least late, maybe late this year, early next year, I think. Uh, November 8th, actually, for Doctor Sleep. Well, we're getting quite a few things besides the three I mentioned. Uh, the Outsider, which is one of Stephen King's more recent works, is in production at HBO as a series. But the new news is based around an old book written by Stephen King and Peter Strobe called The Talisman. This is being made into a movie. No news yet on a release date, but more as that story unfolds. And next, another story from Variety. Uh, You may have heard that the trolls did get the best of the Captain Marvel score on Rotten Tomatoes. That once once the website was opened up to reviews and stuff, the trolls still went on board and sunk the movie. Well, despite the effort of the disgusting trolls, Captain Marvel is still doing really well. It is past the $500 million mark in the worldwide box office, and this only a week after a week of the movie being out. Will this also cross $1 billion? I'm not sure if it will actually get to a billion, but it's going to do pretty good, and it's going to get up there. It's, it's going to get really close. Ladies and gentlemen, this next story comes to us from the playlist. We now have some information about the Gambit movie that's now not going to happen. Filmmaker Rupert Wyatt has spoken with the playlist and said that he blames the Fantastic Four movie. If you remember, that was a horrible Fantastic Four that was just utter garbage. So apparently they were about 10 weeks away from beginning production. They were close. They had a, they were working on a script. And then that movie came out and the budget was slashed. After their budget was slashed, they realized they had to rewrite the script to 
accommodate the lack of funds, but then it would have taken too long and then Fox wasn't really interested anymore, so it seems like it didn't work out. Well, Channing Tatum still really wants to do a Gambit movie, but the question is, is Disney interested? We will find out as time goes on. This next story from The Hollywood Reporter, I'm not sure if it's actually brand new news or not because Anne said she had already heard about it, so I don't know if this is just Hollywood Reporter being late to the game or not. But Alan Tudyk is going to voice Iago in the upcoming Aladdin movie. Uh, it really seems that Gilbert Gottfried isn't as poisonous anymore. Uh, if you remember after the tsunami in Japan that killed a lot of people, it was terrible. He made some off-color jokes about it and basically... He was destroyed. His his career was upended. He lost a lot of his gigs. He was fired as the Aflac duck, and they just hired someone that sounds like him just to do the voice some more. So I understand Disney not wanting to bring Gilbert Gottfried back, and I'm welcoming Alan Tudyk. He's amazing. In news from MovieWeb, uh, you may have remembered that I had said in a previous episode that Universal's Dark Universe is now dead. If you don't remember, the Dark Universe was going to be Universal's answer to the Marvel MCU and DC's DCEU, also now defunct, and it was going to revolve around the original Universal monsters. And that didn't go well because the mummy was just destroyed. Even though I thought it was entertaining, it was it was only entertaining. There wasn't much else besides glitz and glamour and Tom Cruise and Sophia Botella. There are a lot of people out there like me who will watch a bad movie if it's entertaining, but not enough to warrant such a huge endeavor. So the Dark Universe is no more, but they are still moving forward with a lot of the movies, including Invisible Man. The Invisible Man remake is going to be the new one, and the person playing the title role has been narrowed down to two actors. It's either going to be Army Hammer or Alexander Skarsgård. And you know, this would have been a perfect opportunity to hire someone ugly. Just because he, he turns invisible, right? He's going to be covered by bandages for a lot of the movie. Why not just get some ugly ass play him? Because the handsomeness of Hammer and Skarsgård is just going to be wasted. It's, it's wasted. I'll play the Invisible Man. Cover, cover my ass up with bandages. I'd do it. I'm not a bad actor. I mean, I'm not good, but I'm not bad. The only thing we know, or the only things we know for sure about this movie, no set release date, we know that Elizabeth Moss is rumored to be in it. So I'm sorry, I guess, I guess we can't say we know this, but Elizabeth Moss is supposed to be in this movie unless her plans change. And the director is going to be Leigh Whannell. If you don't know who Leigh Whannell is, you've obviously never watched an Insidious movie because he's the writer and director behind that series. Uh, this next story comes to us from CNET. Disney Plus now kind of has a release date and kind of has a price. I just say kind of because I had saved this story from CNET when it came out and it says Disney Plus streaming service, release date, price, and uh, more of what to expect. And it doesn't actually say sh It just says that they know that Disney Plus will be released in late 2019. So I guess that's kind of a release date, maybe. And as far as price goes, they say no price is set yet, but it will be cheaper than Netflix. So we don't have an official price, but if it's cheaper than Netflix, you know what? I, I might consider it because I have too much I'm subscribed to right now. All right. I, I don't need yet another streaming service. But if Disney's streaming service is going to be as awesome as they're promising it is going to be, then I may need to look into this. So more will be known late 2019. This next story comes to us from Flickering Myth. Uh, you know, you, you all probably have this friend. 
right? Who complains that says Hollywood has no original ideas, even though they f***ing ignore every indie movie that comes out that is some sort of original idea. But they just look at the blockbusters going, another comic book movie? No interesting ideas left. Well, I'm sorry, but that dipshit is going to have another thing to bitch about because, according to Flickering Myth, there is going to be a Hello Kitty movie. It's being developed at Warner Brothers. And my question is, why? Uh, Nothing is known about the plot, only that Warner Brothers has the rights to 20 of the characters from the Hello Kitty company. Okay, it's not the Hello Kitty company, it's a Sanrio company, but apparently this could be like some sort of Japanese character version of the Lego movie? I, I don't know what to expect. More on that as it develops. And in something that's not really news yet, just something interesting, uh, Samuel L. Jackson wants to be in a Bollywood movie. There's a sequel being made to a movie called Bahubali, which I believe I've talked about the last one. Bahubali 2 when it came out, I think. Samuel L. Jackson wants to be in 3, so okay, cool. Oh, something I forgot to mention about the Disney Plus, it will house Disney's entire motion picture library, including movies traditionally kept quote-unquote in the vault. You're all familiar with the vault, right? Not not Scrooge McDuck's f***ing awesome vault of coins, okay? No, that is completely different. This is the Disney vault where, you know, every once in a while they'll bring out a movie going, oh, this remastering of uh, Fox and the Hound. Buy it before it goes into the Disney vault forever and you're f***. But then 10 years later, they just come out with another one. It's like, oh... You have to buy this again, bitch. Well, the good news is all of those movies will be now be on Disney+. Plus. In sad news, star Jan Michael Vincent died at the age of 74. You'd know him if you were from the 80s and had good taste because he was in the show Airwolf. And the final story, the one I talked about in the, the intro, which really isn't news worthy of this show. I just want to talk about it is the fact that apparently celebrities have been bribing college officials to get their kids in. And apparently Felicity Huffman's already been indicted. Was it Felicity Huffman? Let's see. Yeah, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin uh, are apparently big names in this. I I never thought of Lori Laughlin as a big name. I guess if you're like my mom and love those. Oh, God, what are those dumb movies she's in? Um, Garage Sale Mysteries or something. But anyway, I I don't know. I I I kind of want to know what happened because I I haven't looked into this too much. But I thought this was common knowledge that celebrities, politicians, and people like that bought their way, their kids, their way into school. I thought we've always known this. There's always been an unfair system for people who've had money. So what happened for the government to actually take? action on this apparently 50 different celebrities have been charged in these fraud cases and these are apparently more than just them going oh hey we'll donate enough money to for a new wing in the library if you take our kid in no this is actually like cheating on exams and stuff and fudging exam scores but maybe one of you can tell me and maybe i'll hear from you before i actually read about this but what was the last straw? What really brought this to attention? Because it's one of those things that people people just kind of knew. I always bitch about the Oscars and how they're not really fair and all these award shows aren't fair. And it's just that's just kind of common knowledge and no one does shit about it. Or have we really moved into a new age? 
Kind of like back in the day, the fact that Harvey Weinstein was a just disgusting pervert was just kind of known in the industry. And you're like, oh, you work with Harvey, better get, you're going to get your tits grabbed or something like that. Or he's going to try and have sex with you. And just because I, I made that kind of joking tone doesn't make light of what he did. It's just, it's one of those things that they just, people knew. People knew that in the industry, but one day someone stood up and then more people stood up, more people stood up. And now he's in jail. And that kind of spearheaded the Me Too movement. So maybe because of things like that, because people are actually speaking up against these these things that have just been something you had to accept, maybe now things like this are becoming more of an issue. I don't know, though. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Let us jump into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, we have a few trailers, only two of them I want to get into detail about. So let's go through the five new ones that caught my eye that, um, well, we're already pretty familiar with. The first one was a new trailer for Dumbo. Uh, This one doesn't show us much more. A couple new scenes, one of someone flying on Dumbo's back, another scene with Michael Keaton and some other people in an office with Dan DeVito and there's a monkey in his desk or something, but nothing big, but it's enough to just keep the appetite wet. You know, I want to see this. I think this looks really good. Dumbo looks adorable. And I can't wait for this to come out on March 29th, 2019. It looks really good. Um, Next up, we have a trailer that I've, I haven't talked about. I don't think, I think I talked about the first one, but I've missed all the others just because it's technically a TV show. It's for Good Omens. We have another trailer for that. And it looks fantastic fantastic this looks so good and it's a limited series coming to amazon at least i assume a limited series because i don't know if they can do the whole book this is the book written by terry pratchett and neil gaiman and i'm not sure if they can do the whole book in one season so we'll see if it's going to be more than one season but it looks really good it has stars michael sheen and david tennant and john ham and i cannot wait If you haven't seen the trailer yet, do yourself a favor and check it out. It looks like it's going to be really good. That comes out May 31st, 2019. Uh, We have another trailer for Hellboy. Again, it looks good. Nothing new. You may be one of those people that have already made up your minds. Maybe you are so upset that Guillermo del Toro is not going to get another movie. Maybe you're so upset that you're not going to watch this. And um, yeah, that's fine. I think it looks good. I think it looks really good, and I'm willing to give it a shot. But there are a lot of people out there who are loyalists to Del Toro and don't want to watch this, and okay. I mean, whatever. I I personally don't see it that way. I will watch this, but hey, to each their own. That comes out April 12th, 2019. We got another trailer for Dark Phoenix, X-Men Dark Phoenix, to be more exact. Um, I still know this is going to be garbage, but the trailer just looks so interesting. And they're hinting at Jennifer Lawrence dying early in the film. And I really want to see that. Oh my God. An an X-Men film without Jennifer Lawrence in it. I I forgot what that's like and I can't wait. Sophie Turner's still in it, but she's just going to be the quiet, powerful type. So, hey, she can do that. So those are two positive things, uh, even though the rest of the movie looks like a mess. Uh, The trailer, though, gets me excited. It really does. That comes out June 6, 2019. And the final trailer that I'm just going to breeze over is uh, the new Shazam trailer. This looks like it's going to be really good. I am so, so excited because it looks like it has a good amount of comedy and they picked the right person to do the comedy. But it also looks like they really capture Shazam pretty well. And we see a little bit more of his powers in this. We see a little more of his lightning. We see him fly. We see the scene where... 
Billy runs off, runs and jumps off a building, then says Shazam, and then boom, flies away, and it looks amazing. The trailer does show some new scenes, not enough, I think, to spoil anything. I cannot wait to see this on April 5th. And we have two trailers that we have to talk about that we're going to talk a little longer about. Not too much longer. You know, just just a little, just a scotch. The first is for a movie called Good Boys. This gets a red band trailer. This comes to us from the creators of Superbad, Sausage Party, and Neighbors. Seth Rogen, producer on this, of course. And this looks hilarious. I laughed a lot during this trailer. It looks really funny. Just a group of kids and the hijinks they get into. Uh, some of the jokes are easy. I mean, there's a lot of easy sex jokes. Like there's a scene where the kids... One of the kids stumbles upon his parents' sex toys, doesn't know what they are, and then so they're playing with them thinking they're like ninja weapons or something. And that's not exactly a highbrow joke, but we don't go to see a movie like this for highbrow jokes. We go to see jokes just like that. And it, it doesn't feel like they're just going for the easy joke because there's it's not just a, aha, sex, haha, boobs, let's move on. It's funny. It really is. And it makes it makes me laugh the whole way through. I think this is going to be a movie that's going to be hilarious. It's going to have a lot of people talking and it's going to be one of those movies just like Superbad that may not do really well in the theater, but will eventually do well when people get wind of it and then watch it after it comes out on on streaming after it comes out on Redbox or maybe even people will buy it right away. And I think that's when it will really do well. I think movies like this do a lot better after they come out of the theaters because people who want to watch it will finally buy it or rent it or stream it and watch it and enjoy it. Though, uh, at least for now, the first trailer makes this look funny enough that it may be a movie you want to watch in theaters should you like humor like that. If you watch Superbad and you liked it, if you watch Sausage Party and you liked it, if you watch Neighbors and you liked it, this could be up your alley. This film comes out August 16th, 2019. And finally, we have a trailer that I didn't think I would want to talk about, but I actually really do. And that's the third trailer for Aladdin. That's right. The trailer for the live action Aladdin movie actually looks really good. This one shows more of the story, more of the classic story we know of this street rat who Jafar gets to get the lamp from the Cave of Wonders and becomes a prince, tries to get Jasmine. We get a hint of some of the songs, the classic songs like, um, oh, what's a song called? You ain't never had a friend like me. You know, that song and then Whole New World. So there is going to be music in it. We see more of the genie being the genie. And oh my God, he's not blue the whole time. He doesn't look like a monster. That looks great. And we see the carpet being the carpet. And it, it just looks really good. Good. I, I was not impressed at all by any of the trailers we had seen for this so far. Any of the teaser trailers. It, it made me think that this was going to be the worst of the movies thus far. Uh, the worst of the live action Disney movies thus far. But this trailer makes me think I could be terribly wrong. It looks good. And I am now excited for this movie. I don't think they're going to stop making the genie blue just because people think he looks terrible. I don't think that. I think they're going to bank on the fact that the rest of the movie is going to be so good, or at least so entertaining, that we're going to overlook that and want to see this anyway. That's what I think they're going for with this. And if the movie is anything like this third trailer, then they're right. Aladdin comes out May 29th, 2019. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our first break and hear a word from our friends at... Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, 
bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. We are back with the limited releases, so let's just jump right into it with the first movie called Iceman, also known as Der Mann aus dem Eis, which I'm, I'm pretty sure just means the man of the ice or Iceman. So there we go. I wish I spoke German. It sounds like such a cool language. Anyway, I wish I could say the same about the movie. Let's talk about this. A member of a Neolithic clan is away on a hunt, and while he's gone, his family gets attacked. His wife and son are murdered. Only his newborn survives, but is kidnapped. The man must hunt the men down that took his kid to get him back. This is a German movie, if you couldn't figure it out by Der Mann aus dem Eis. So I just want to say something about this movie that I thought was stupid. Uh, The people who wrote it got the idea from this body that was found in the Alps that is or was found out to be the oldest mummy ever. So it was someone from the Neolithic era, which is uh, the later part of the Stone Age. And so this person was found dead. This caveman was found dead. And then so these people just made a movie of how the person died, even though we have no clue, no idea whatsoever. But so basically they made Taken, but about a caveman and then tried to tie it into something that actually happened. So so good job with that. Next up in the limited release section, we have Mission of Honor, a movie also known as Hurricane. This is a story of the 303 Squadron RAF during the Battle of Britain. The squad consisted of Polish pilots, many of whom were veterans of the air battles of the invasion of Poland. This stars, and I believe it's pronounced Eowyn Rion from Game of Thrones, and Milo Gibson from Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, This movie, if the... If the trailer did just a little better job of selling it, it might have gone in the wide release and interesting indie section. But, uh, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I want to know more about this, this squadron. But I just won't learn about it from this movie. Next up, we have a movie called Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, a recent divorcee, enters a dance contest to save her dance studio where she meets Jimmy and starts rediscovering her faith and dreams. Aww. This stars Peta... Murgatroyd from literally Dancing with the Stars, so you can tell how much thought they put into this movie, Michael Richards from Seinfeld, Corbin Burnson from Psych, M. Emmett Walsh from Critters, and Ed Asner from Mary Tyler Moore. And this movie just seems super skippable, like one of those like super Christian movies that thought, oh, we can, we can do a, a Christian dance movie. Yay. No, 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 no. Uh, next up, we have a film called... Finding Steve McQueen. In 1972, a gang of close-knit thieves attempt to steal $30 million in illegal contributions and blackmail money from President Nixon's secret fund. This stars Travis Fimmel from Vikings, William Fickner from Prison Break, Rachel Taylor from Jessica Jones, Forrest Whitaker from The Last King of Scotland, Lily Rabe from American Horror Story, Reese Corio from Entourage, Jake Weary from It Follows, and Molly McQueen, who hasn't done much, but she's the granddaughter of Steve McQueen, so that's pretty cool. Uh, this movie almost made it again, just like, uh, what was that other one? Mission of Honor. Uh, but it it just doesn't look that good. Uh, it could have been really cool. It's about a really interesting idea, but I think it just fell a little too short. And the final movie in this section, which is the limited section, is called No Manches Frida 2, Paradise Destroyed, which translates roughly to No Way Frida. 
When the seemingly reformed ex-con Zeki is about to marry the love of his life, the lovably nerdy Lucy, wedding day jitters turn into a full-blown fiasco causing Lucy to call off the wedding. Zeki finds that the best way to win Lucy back is to show that he's not a screw-up and he signs his class, because he's a teacher, up for a competition. Once on the island, because it takes place on a resort island, of course, he sees his rival, another ex of Lucy's who wants her back. Uh, no. If you want to watch a movie from Mexico, there's a lot, a lot out there that's way better than this. This just looks so basic, and and this the, the lovably nerdy Lucy is just this chick with glasses. It's like, oh, look how nerdy I am. I have glasses. I once thought about anime. I can read, you know, Cosmopolitan, Vogue, Menus, Pill Bottles. I mean, at least with movies like She's All That, they did a better job of selling Rachel Lee Cook as a nerd. For this other movie, they just literally put glasses on her. And then once they get to the island, oh my God, her glasses are gone. What a coincidence. Her glasses got in the way of her tits. No, it's skip this. Uh, so that is it for the limited releases. Uh, just like last week, I'm going to talk about a couple of the wide releases and in interesting indies, and then we'll take a break. And do you see, do you see what happens when we have more interesting movies than uninteresting movies? It screws up the, the whole flow of the show. Come on, Hollywood. Give us worse stuff. Well, let's talk about the first movie in the wide releases of interesting indies. We'll talk about uh, three, three movies, and then we'll move on to the break. Uh, the first movie that we're going to talk about is called Ash is Purest White. Chow and Bin don't live life on the straight and narrow. One day, Bin, a small-time gangster, is getting jumped by a rival gang, and Chow comes to his aid by firing a gun into the air and scaring the men away. She gets caught and gets five years in prison for the act, and upon her release, she returns to Bin to pick up where they left off. This is a Chinese movie. And if you're thinking what I was thinking when I was reading the premise, five years seems pretty harsh for firing a gun into the air, but I'm looking at the legal code of California, or whatever you call it, and apparently in California, so I don't know about all the other states y'all are from, but in California, it could be punishable up to two years or three years served in a county jail and a fine of up to $10,000 because it's considered a neg negligently discharging a firearm. And you know, I get it because you fire a gun up into the air, the bullet has to come down. It could hit someone. It's dangerous. It scares people too, hearing a gunshot. So maybe that five-year thing is isn't that harsh? I don't know. But either way, let's talk about the movie. This movie does look interesting. It's basically about the this ne'er-do-well couple. And the guy's this real small-time thug. Real small-time thug. And the woman gets in trouble because she's trying to help him. And this movie follows their, their romance. From when they meet, to when she goes into jail, to when she gets out of jail. And instead of going, oh, you know what? I've learned my lesson. I was in jail for five years of my life just because I wanted to stop my boyfriend from getting beat up. Uh, maybe I should avoid him and people like him. She's like, no, go straight back to him. I'm in love. Uh, what other can we get into? But the whole movie is presented in a fashion that I think looks really well done. And it looks intriguing because there's more to it. It's not just, oh, I love him. He, even though he's a criminal, we're meant to be together. He's my bae. No, they, they put more thought into the relationship and their passion for each other, which I thought made this movie a little more interesting than what could have been. It's just some fledgling romance based entirely on sex and something like that. But this movie has promise. It really does. And lately, China has really been stepping up its game in a lot of ways. In movies, in books, there's this sci-fi author who's become pretty big in America. And his books are written in China, so they're translated and sent here. 
And this movie just seems like the latest offering going, hey, we do cool shit. Check out our shit. The only downside about this movie is that it's going to be a little harder to find for the obvious reasons. It's not, there's not a lot of hype behind it, so it's not going to get that push that movies with a lot of hype get. And it's a, or probably maybe I should have said this first, it's a foreign film. So that automatically makes it a little harder to find, which if it had a lot of hype behind it, it would have helped push this up into the spotlight a little more. But since it doesn't have that, at least not yet, it's going to be a little harder to get your hands on. But this seems like a title to keep in mind. It just seems like this interesting crime love story, which has these deep characters and this complicated relationship. If you ever stumble across this, maybe check it out. Ash's Purest White gets a 7 out of 11. Next up this week, we have a film called Never Grow Old. An Irish undertaker profits when outlaws take over a peaceful American frontier town, but his family comes under threat as the death toll rises. This stars John Cusack from Gross Point Blank and Emile Hirsch from Into the Wild. And didn't I just say I wanted to see more westerns? And this is uh, this is another western. It really is. This film looks really interesting with John Cusack as the lead bad guy, Emile Hirsch as the... Uh, as the main character with questionable morals. And this gives me kind of an open range feel where we have this, uh, this main character who's basically given an offer by the main bad guy going, oh, hey, you know, ignore what you're seeing and or help me and we'll make it worth your while. So in this, Emil Hirsch is the undertaker and John Cusack comes to him and goes, hey, oh, hey, we want to do a funeral. It take, uh, he takes Emil Hirsch out to this guy who's still alive and goes, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to kill you now. Boom, shoots the guy. Emil Hirsch helps him. He goes, here, let me pad your pockets with a little more cash than you'd normally get just because uh, we want you to keep all hush-hush about this. And Emil Hirsch thus now has a working relationship with John Cusack. What it seems like and what the premise implied is that as things go on, as more and more people are killed, as John Cusack takes over more in this city, things get dangerous for Emil Hirsch. Because isn't that the way it always goes in movies? Someone can have the perfect working relationship with a villain, but that doesn't mean sh**. The longer things go on, the bigger chance of things going south. And it seems like to Emil Hirsch, it eventually happens. It seems like his wife has issues with him being so buddy-buddy with a bad guy and doing such such bad things. And even though Emil Hirsch himself isn't killing anyone, he's helping cover it up. And so she's like, oh, can we, can we really do this? And also the town is like, hey, we know what you're doing. We know you're helping this guy. F*** you. So then as Emil Hirsch's conscience gets the better of him, then he comes at odds with John Cusack. And that's where it sparked my interest is to see where it goes. This looks like an interesting idea. But once again, like a lot of these movies, something to watch at home. Never Grow Old gets a 7 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more movie before the break. Uh, maybe, maybe two. Hold on, let me see. Yeah, let's do two. Never mind. So two more movies before the break. So let's jump into the next one, which is called Yardy. A young Jamaican man named Dee has never fully recovered from the murder of his older brother, Jerry. Dee grew up under the tutelage of a Don, a.k.a. the head of a local drug gang, and as Dee goes to complete a job for that Don, he learns more about the death of his brother, which eventually puts him at odds with his boss. This stars Emil Amin from Sense8, 
and is directed by Idris Elba. So despite the fact that this movie, a good part of it takes place in Jamaica and it's about Jamaicans, this is actually a British film because the other part of the movie takes place in London uh, because D is sent to London to deliver drugs, which I don't know how the hell he does because this movie seems like it takes place in the modern day. And even if it takes place, God, 30 years ago, 80s, 90s, even takes place then, it still wasn't that easy to smuggle drugs through the airport, right? Is, is Or is that just me? Was I just really bad at it? I, I don't know. Somehow, he, he's supposed to complete a job in London, and when he's there, he finds out more about the murder of his brother, and somehow it's connected to to king rat i think is the guy's called let me see yeah king oh king fox okay king fox that's different from a rat so king fox is a local drug lord slash don and while in london d also meets someone from his past there that he kind of falls for they had a thing but she left because of his involvement in the drug life and the fact that he couldn't let go of of his past. And so now he's like, well, I now know more. And should I leave my boss? Because, well, basically we're criminals. And should I get with this woman who I, who I think I love and start a new life? So though this bare bones is a familiar story about this criminal who meets someone that someone wants him to change. But something happens to make the guy, the main character, either bring him back into the life or make him go into some dangerous situation where the woman's like, nah, uh, I, I can't handle this. And so the main character has a very big decision to make. And even though the bare bones plot seems familiar, like I break down everything about it to its bare bones, it does seem familiar. Besides that, it looks like it's done well. It looks like there's enough new stuff, enough interesting stuff, besides just the fact that it takes place partially in Jamaica. So it's not just that that sets it apart. And that's what impressed me about this. And I also can't help that the fact that it's directed by Idris Elba also caught my attention because I like his work. I think he's a good actor and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do behind the camera. What we have with this movie looks like first and foremost, a character study, which just has a backdrop of a crime, a crime movie, just like never grow old, just like ashes, Pierce white, just like the next movie. And a lot of the movies I'm going to talk about, this looks like something that's going to be interesting, but skippable in theaters. And if anything about what I said interested you, put this on your to be watch list. But I don't think you'll be missing out if you don't watch this. But I also think you won't regret it if you do watch it. I think this is going to be a solid film. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be bad. Yardi gets a 6.5 out of 11. Maybe I should give it a 7. You know, sometimes when I give the score, I have to pause and I'm like, why did I give that score? Why did I do that? Because a lot of times my score, I, I don't think about it ahead of time. I wait till I talk about the film on the show and then I, I use the emotions and my thoughts and the moment to give it a score. But I don't really know why Yardi, you know what? Maybe I'll switch it around. I think Never Grow Old will get a 6.5 and Yardi will get a 7 just because I think out of the two, Never Grow, uh, Yardi is going to be the better movie. I mean, I could just give everything a seven, but that seems like a cop out to me going, oh, you get a seven and you get a seven and you get a seven. Well, I'll tell you what won't get a seven. And that's the next film and the last film before the break. And that film is called Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. Nancy and her pals set out to solve a mystery, make new friends and establish their place in the community. This stars Sophia Lillis from It, Sam Trammell from True Blood and Laura Wiggins from Shameless. Yeah, I'm probably going to see this movie. I, I don't think I'll see it in the theaters. 
but I think I will because it does look interesting. I mean, it looks like a fun family film. It looks like a fun movie and a modern take on a classic book. The only reason this isn't higher up on the list, the only reason that this isn't going to get a bigger score than it will, is the fact that I don't know how much they're going to push the the, the factors that will make this movie a modern film. Because this isn't a Nancy Drew movie that's going to take place in like the 70s, or 60s or 70s. All right, 60s, because the first book, The Secret of the Old Clock, was released in 1965. And if you're wondering what I mean when I ask how much it's going to push the fact that this is a modern movie, is the fact that since Nancy Drew is an older book, how much are they going to push the, oh, this is a modern thing. Oh, hey, I'm going to pull up my cell phone and talk about Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. And just uh, said something interesting. She said she thinks Nancy Drew will solve it with social media. Like she'll see something in a post or, or something like that, which I get. I get the fact that if we're going to tell an old story and we're going to try and sell it to kids, uh, modern kids, you have to color it in a modern light. But I think there's also a limit on pushing that on trying to really show that that it's modern i don't think you need to do that much sure have her have a cell phone sure have her use social media there's modern cars modern homes she skateboards around all the time but as for the story itself unless there's something really old-timey about how she how she solves the case then i don't think you need to mess with it that much not unless it's oh nancy went down to the haberdashery and found the scoundrel right there he was at the store turning in his green stamps and she goes hey you villain okay i think you <laughs> i think you get my point on that like unless the full story was so old-timey you don't really need to jazz it up with new stuff like like we'll know it takes place in modern times and i think a lot of times with movies like this that are an older story taking place in in the current era I think we have the problem of producers and set designers and script writers and all these people trying too hard and not trusting the audience enough to have common sense to know that, well, that's a car I see on the street all the time. That's obviously a shirt from H&M. I, I don't know, some company. Obviously, this is a modern movie. But no, they really have to cram it down our throats. And I, I don't know if Nancy Drew will be one of those because I've only seen two trailers for it, but I have the feeling that it's going to be like that, which doesn't mean it's going to be a bad movie. It just means it's going to be a little cheesy because when movies do that to tr really try and push the time frame, it gets pretty cringy. But what we're going to have here with this movie is just a, a fun movie that is going to be family friendly. And who knows, maybe you can take your kid to that and get them into reading. Go, hey, do you want to read more Nancy Drew? There's a whole series. Do you want to read maybe about the Hardy Boys? There's a whole series. Read them both. So this is going to be one of the perfect movies this week. There are two movies I think are really good for families. And this is one of the two that would be a good choice if you want to take your family out to a movie. Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase gets a 7.5 out of 11. See, I told you it wasn't going to get a 7, right? It's a 7.5. The extra 0.5 is worth it. All right, everyone, let's take our second break as we hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle, and we'll jump right back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. So please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Snarf Chris. And the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling. And 
more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. And we're back. Welcome back. Let us jump right back into it with the next film, which is called Five Feet Apart. A pair of teenagers with life-threatening illnesses meet in a hospital and fall in love. This stars Haley Lou Richardson from Split and Cole Sprouse from Riverdale. All right, this film looks simultaneously interesting and cute and full of plot holes already. So the whole idea is that these two people, uh, these two characters, Stella and Will, are so sick or they have some disease that makes it so they, if they come in contact with someone else, they could get super viruses and die. So these two go on an adventure and have to stay five feet apart because I guess viruses can jump and um, can just like leap really far. And five feet is their maximum leaping range. But they'll still swim in a public pool and uh, walk around through New Orleans. But no, that's fine. <laughs> You're not going to get diseases from that. Not a public pool. And even though this movie is so easy to make fun of, it also looks cute. Uh, this is a love story, and who doesn't love love? Everyone loves love. And so we watch this story about these teenagers falling in love, and oh, they can't actually touch, kind of like a, a, a boy in the bubble sort of thing, or a... So Anne informed me that they both have cystic fibrosis, and let's turn to Google, is a genetic disorder that affects mostly the lungs, but also pancreas, liver, kidneys, and intestines. Long-term issues include difficulty breathing and coughing up mucus as a result of frequent lung infections. The more you know. But the fact that they have a disease that is actually something, I, I like that fact. So it's not anime girl disease. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm going to I'm going to die if something happens to me. What do I have? Oh, this terrible disease. You wouldn't know it. I think the fact that they have something that is actually a thing, it legitimizes this. The problem, though, is that this movie is coming out hot on the heels of movies like from 2017, Everything, Everything, and from 2018, Midnight Sun. These movies that are based off a YA book about really sick people falling in love. And while there's nothing wrong with that. With each movie that comes out based on a different book, it just kind of seems like each one is going to be more of a, oh, well, they're just making this because this other movie came out. Even though the Five Feet Apart could be a far better book than Everything, Everything and Midnight Sun, the story could be far better. But the fact that it's coming out last, I say last as if they're never going to make another one of these, that takes away from this. It's going to take away from people who saw Everything, Everything or Midnight Sun and didn't like it. Because they're not going to want to give this movie a chance because like, oh, I've seen this before. I have the amazing benefit of having a wife that has read these books. So I can still be interested in a movie like Five Feet Apart because I know the differences in it where just from the trailer, you wouldn't get that. Because isn't that always the downside when it comes to whatever the, the popular movie is? And if you think about it, there there's always some sort of boom for movies based on YA books, but it's always from the s certain genres and they get popular, go away. Another one gets popular, goes away. And I think it goes away is because we get inundated with it. And even though there's only been about one a year for the last three years, one or two a year, it still feels like a lot. So even though each movie could have something that makes it special, makes it unique, makes it interesting, your average public who isn't familiar with the story, isn't familiar with the book, won't want to give it a shot. And so that's a question for you. That's a question for me. Do you want to give a movie like this a shot that seems very familiar, 
may be very different, but on the surface looks the same. And what also doesn't help is sometimes the worst example of a genre will become popular first. So then that gets turned into a movie and it kind of ruins it for a lot of people because they're like, oh, well, that movie is shit. Why would I give this one a shot? Uh, so that's a question when it comes to if you want to see this, do you like teenage love stories enough to watch this? I have a feeling for a lot of you, it's going to be no. But for those of you who are going to say yes, just try and keep in mind that if you haven't read the book, if you're not familiar with it, don't let the movies that came before that have nothing to do with this color your thoughts. Not much else I can say about that. So five feet apart gets a, are you ready? Seven out of 11. All right, everyone, let's jump into the next film. And that is called The Mustang. Roman Coleman has a name that rhymes, but besides that, he is a violent convict and he's given a chance to participate in a rehabilitation therapy program involving the training of wild Mustangs. This stars Matthias Schoenarts from The Danish Girl, Jason Mitchell from Straight Outta Compton, Bruce Dern from The Burbs, and Connie Britton from Nashville. If you remember, I talked about this when the trailer came out just because it looks, it looks interesting. It looks like one of those movies that will be skipped by a lot of people, but it will be one of those films that you will watch it and you'll you'll go, I liked that. I know someone who will like that. And then slowly it will start to spread. This will never be a big movie. I don't think that this is Oscar bait at all. I think this is just one of those movies that will become a favorite of a few people. For those few people who do give this film a chance, you'll probably like it. It looks interesting. It looks like it's going to tell an interesting story about this man who's been doing wrong his whole life and how he's going to learn to turn his life around with the help of a horse. I think it's kind of like the idea behind that show, Pitbulls and Parolees. You know, that TV show where parolees train pitbulls to, to be good dogs. Not that they're bad dogs, just that they have asshole owners and they learn bad habits and they get mean. And so these parolees train them and go, Hey, be a good dog. And then they show people, Hey, look, look how awesome this dog is. He's not some killer. And through their working with these animals, they become better people. It seems like that's the idea behind the Mustang. Like these, these people out in this supermax prison, maybe not supermax. I'm just saying words. I know people in this prison out in the middle of nowhere get to train these Mustangs and through that bond, hopefully learn something about themselves. And I think this is also going to raise the question not just can people change, but what can we forgive? How many times in a movie have we seen, or a movie or a TV show like Law and Order, Blue Bloods and things like that, have we seen a story told about this murderer or this rapist or this, this, this horrible human being that something happens, maybe the right rehabilitation, maybe the right thing happens, and then they supposedly change their ways. And then they have the people they wronged who have no interest in forgiving them. Of course, that's not always the case, but it asks the question, when can we forgive? And then when does someone become unforgivable? I really don't think Roman Coleman is going to be unforgivable. Otherwise, the movie won't have much of a point. But it will ask us the bigger question. Why, as a society, are we not so willing to give second chances? The Mustang looks like an interesting film. It doesn't look like it's going to be mind-blowing. It doesn't look like it's going to be amazing. Just, just... Good. The Mustang gets a, I swear to God, I didn't plan this, 7 out of 11. It's just a lot of these movies I've been talking about so far just fall in that, like, not bad, but not great. And I think a 7, like a 6 
to a seven really is where that line is. Because if a movie gets a five, even though that's in the middle, I would look at that as, yeah, you skip that. You don't even watch it. It's kind of like with a GPA. A 50% isn't passing. Oh my God, it's exactly like a GPA, isn't it? But I just turned mine up to 11. No, I, I was a terrible student. All right, let's move on to the next movie. And that film is called The Hummingbird Project. A pair of high-frequency traders go up against their old boss in an effort to make millions in a fiber-optic cable deal. This stars Jesse Eisenberg from Zombieland, Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood, and Salma Hayek from Frida. And if you remember, I talked about this movie before and being really excited for it, because this film has that kind of Aaron Sorkin, really fast-paced dialogue, really smart topic thing going on. And let me put your mind at ease if you're one of those people that hate Aaron Sorkin. No, he had nothing to do with this film. It's just the style that seemed familiar to me, which is why I brought it up. Just because that's really something Jesse Eisenberg is good at. If you look at his roles and you compare him in The Social Network to any other role he does, that's his style. Just fast-paced, witty dialogue. Even in Zombieland, which was a comedy, it was still this kind of neurotic, fast-talking character. And so in The Hummingbird Project, we have this business thriller comedy. And I felt weird saying that because originally I was about to say political thriller, but this isn't about politics. This is about trading. This is about business and money, which could be a genre maybe, but if not, I'm going to make it one business thriller. And when that kind of genre comes to mind, I think of Glengarry Glen Ross, even though Glengarry Glen Ross wasn't the first movie of its type. It's, it's one of the ones that come to my mind first. Of course, another big one, The Social Network. So if you like movies like that, you'll like The Hummingbird Project. And it does have its share of comedy, too. A, a little more heavy on the comedy than the other two movies I mentioned, but still not a straight-up comedy. The, the focus of this movie is going to be the business thriller aspect of these two guys who are trying to build this fiber-optic cable that goes from Wall Street to wherever their base is to try and get stock information split seconds sooner than their rival so they can try and beat her. And it really makes me realize what a big genre thrillers are because this is nothing like Shutter Island or Seven or um, Searching, like other movies that are considered thrillers. That, that's why it's such a broad genre. And why, especially with thrillers, I think it's so important to put a subcategory on it. This is a business thriller. So would um, Social Network be a business thriller. Sinister would be like a horror thriller. Seven would be a crime thriller. So would Shutter Island. But the good news is this is such a specific type of movie that you can pretty well figure out if you're going to like it or not. As for me, I'm going to love it. The Hummingbird Project gets an 8 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this, wow, this is going to be a long episode, isn't it? All right, well, good for you if you like the show. And if you don't like the show, um, well, thank you for listening anyway, right? Well, we have three movies left. So let's get on with the next movie, which is called Wonder Park. June is a wildly creative girl who dreams of finding a legendary theme park called Wonder Park. One day, she finds the park and learns that it's in need of her help. This features the voices of Jennifer Garner, Kenan Thompson, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, Ken Jeong, Matthew Broderick, and Ked Hudson Campbell. Does it Ked? Ken Hudson Campbell. Oh uh, yeah, you've heard me talk about this movie before because we've been inundated with trailers from it. 
In fact, this week I had read an article, I didn't think it was worthy for the news section, but I read an article saying that this movie overspent every other movie when it came to advertising. Now the question is, did it do any good? How many people are going to see this? Because uh, like I said when I was talking about the Nancy Drew movie, there is another movie this week for families, and this is it. But the fact of the matter is, is this doesn't look like a, a Disney Pixar movie. This doesn't even look like a good DreamWorks or Universal movie. This looks like a movie that's going to be entertaining, but highly skippable and forgettable. Despite the large amount of money they were supposedly pumping in to sell this film, I still don't think it looks like something you have to see. I think it'd be cute. I think it'll be worth a laugh, but it just doesn't seem that interesting. I bet you if I had ki if I had kids, they'd be wanting to see this movie, and I yes, I would take them. But I don't have kids, so I'll have no one bugging me to see this film, so I can then skip it and watch it a pick of the week instead. Or I still haven't seen Captain Marvel, so maybe watch that instead. But don't misunderstand, Wonder Park doesn't look bad, it just looks average, it just looks skippable, it just looks mediocre. And you know what, my future fans, if all of us sat down and watched it all at the same time, I bet you over half of us will enjoy it, I, I really do. But I think the overall score will still be a meh. This looks like the kind of movie that, unless you have kids that really love it, and thus you have to own it later, this looks like the kind of movie you watch once and then forget about. This doesn't look like it's the same quality or caliber of a Disney Pixar film, or of a film like How to Train Your Dragon, or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, or Shrek. This looks cute but skippable. Wonder Park gets a 6 out of 11. Alright, two movies left, folks, so let's not waste any more time and let's talk about The Aftermath. A British colonel and his wife are assigned to live in Hamburg during the post-war reconstruction, but tensions arise with the German who previously owned the house. This stars Kira Knightley from Pirates of the Caribbean, Jason Clark from Winchester, and Alexander Skarsgård in his second film this week from True Blood. So yes, we have a historical fiction movie on our hands here. A period piece about a time that we don't really hear much about. We hear a lot about World War II. A lot about it. Mainly from the, from the side of fighting the Germans. Rarely from the side of fighting the Japanese. Almost never from the Italian side. But then we really don't get a lot of films that take place after the war. So the rebuilding of Germany, the rebuilding of Japan, the rebuilding of Italy. So that's why continuously, whenever a World War II movie comes out, I talk about the fact that World War II is still such a good place to go for movies. Because we have so many true stories that are worth telling that we haven't heard yet. And there's so many parts about the, whole, the war as a whole, all, all these different sides, that we can tell a fictional tale about that will still be interesting. Anne's been trying to get me to read this book called The Nightingale for a while. And that is a historical fiction book that tells the side of the story that we haven't, we haven't heard much of. Just like this one. When's the last time we got a movie about post-war reconstruction? And you know what? I'm tired right now, so maybe one of you can Google that for me. But I'll tell you what, it's not going to be as often as we do about World War II movies that take place during the actual fights. So what we are going to have here is a historical fiction movie that's kind of going to shine a light on the reconstruction part of the war effort. And I say kind of, because I don't know how much of the movie is going to focus on the reconstruction and how much is going to focus on the fact that in this film, Jason Clark is the colonel who's overseen part of it. And then Keira Knightley left at home with Alexander Skarsgård, 
who is the German who previously owned the house, who still lives there with his daughter and their sexual tension because Keira Knightley and Jason Clark aren't exactly the happiest couple. But guess what? Alexander Skarsgård is super handsome and Keira Knightley's like, oh yeah, I want to get me some. And I think that's an exact quote. I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a period accurate quote. So my question is how much of the movie is going to be about the historical aspect and how much it's going to be this, this romance story. And when I was talking about the movie Iceman, if you remember back in the beginning of the movies, I talked about how they just kind of took this historical event and made up this story and it kind of bothered me. Well, I'm fine with this one because I think this story had to take place here because how else would you get into this situation where this family or this husband and wife move into this house and kick the owner out, basically. And then they're put in this position where the wife and the previous owner of the house are in close close quarters a lot and will go, hey, you're pretty cute. You're pretty cute, too. Let's bang. So unlike Iceman, which just kind of made up this story for this historical thing that has nothing to do with reality, this one makes sense. And that's why I think I won't mind the fact if it focuses mainly, almost 100%, on this romance because it makes sense for the historical backdrop. But this looks like a good film. The only reason it's not the pick of the week is that the pick of the week looks so much better. But this does look like a movie that I think above the others so far this week should be watched. It has three good actors in it and all the trailers looked good. So I think this is a movie worth your time, especially if the pick of the week doesn't interest you. And can you see why I think this is a really good really good week for movies because even the lowest scored movie in the wide releases section which actually was wonder park still looks okay i mean it doesn't look bad you know a lot of you may just watch one movie out of all of the movies i've talked about but i think even if you watched the mustang even you even if you watched the hummingbird project or five feet apart something you weren't planning on i still think you'd enjoy it at the very least go okay that was good and i think that's one of the downsides of us being like hardcore in the era of the blockbuster is that we all, we have these seasons where all of these good looking movies have to be crammed in just so they don't have to compete with a big comic book movie or a big star Wars movie or Disney movie. But there's so much interesting stuff coming out that we can't watch all of it. But I really don't have much more to say about the aftermath. I just think it looks interesting with actors that I know I like. I'm a huge Jason Clark fan. Keira Knightley has never done me wrong. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean series, but it's mainly because of Johnny Depp that I'm not. This looks like it's going to be a solid film. The aftermath gets a 9 out of 11. All right, let's jump into the pick of the week. Do you know what it is? Do you remember what the big movie is this week? Well, it's not really the biggest movie, but, you know, I've seen a lot of posters for it. In a lot of the theaters Anne and I go to, I've seen at least one poster for it in each theater. And that movie is called Captive State. It's been 10 years since the alien occupation. Gabriel is a young man caught in the middle and must choose a side. Will he take the side of the collaborators and work to stop a resistance group? Or will he join the resistance and fight for humanity's freedom? This stars Ashton Sanders from Moonlight, John Goodman from 10 Cloverfield Lane, Vera Farmiga from Bates Motel, Machine Gun Kelly from Bird Box, Alan Ruck from Twister, Kevin Dunn from Ghostbusters 2, and Madeline Brewer from The Handmaid's Tale. And quick note about Kevin Dunn, he's been in a lot more than Ghostbusters 
too. And he just had a tiny role in that, but it's what I always remember him from. So the beginning of Ghostbusters 2, when they're when we're catching up on where all the characters are, Peter Venkman has that TV show and Kevin Dunn plays one of the psychics where he's guessing when the world ends. So even though he's been in a lot more since then, I always remember Ghostbusters 2 for him. Like Harris Eulin, he's been in a lot, but he's the judge in Ghostbusters 2. David Margulies, also been in a lot, but he was the mayor in both Ghostbusters movies. Okay, but let's let's stop talking about this. Let's talk about the movie Captive State. Honestly, I forgot about this film for a while, just because I, I remember the trailers came out a while ago, and I saw and I started seeing posters for it a while ago, and it's just now that it's coming out. And when I saw a trailer for it recently, I was like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be a thing, isn't it? And I was actually confused because I thought it was going to be a straight to Netflix movie, but it's not. This is getting a theatrical release and has nothing to do with Netflix. And just like I mentioned with thrillers being such a big genre, I think this shows why sci-fi is such a big genre. Because this is a sci-fi film, but it doesn't look like there's going to be space battles and like captains beaming up to the their starship. No most Eisley Cantina, no Ender's Game. This is going to be a a very human movie about us and what we do when conflict happens. Like, will we just go along with it? Will we go along with our alien overlords or will we fight? And something that will make us ask questions of ourselves, which would we be a part of? Will you just go along with it with the, with these aliens who are coming over to take over Earth? Or will you try and fight? Fighting, which could really get you killed but also help us get freedom again. So even though you do see the aliens, you see spaceships, and you see cool sci-fi stuff in this, I think first and foremost, this is a, a story of humanity and how we're going to respond to it. And it's also going to be a intrigue thriller. Here I am making up genres again, but it, it seems like it really will be because we have this main character, Gabriel, who has to make a choice. And it seems like at first he joins the collaborators. He's like, yeah, okay, I don't want to get thrown in jail, so I'm going to help you. But then along the way, he meets the resistance and they're like, hey, you should probably help fight them. He's like, you know what? Maybe I should. So what side will he join and what will the consequences be and what will be the fate of humanity? And the best part is is that we can have this movie that has a very political feel to it about rebellion and about fighting the, the status quo and the social order, but not be politically charged. I'm excited for this film. And if I see any movie coming out this week in the theaters, it, it has to be this one because it looks like it's going to be a very interesting, very original and well thought out film that looks like it has some great acting. And even though I'm not familiar with some of the people, but John Goodman, Vera Farmiga and Alan Ruck are great. Ashton Sanders, not too familiar with him, but it looks like he does a good job. I forgot to mention that Jonathan Majors is in this. You'd know him from uh, White Boy Rick or Hostels. He looks like he does a good job. From the looks of the trailer, there are no glaring errors about this. There's nothing that makes me go, really? We're, we're doing this in, in a big movie? No, this looks good. I think this is going to be a solid film, and I think it's this is the best choice of the week, unless you have young children and you want to go out as a family, because this is a PG-13 film, but I think it's going to be a little intense for little kids. So if you do have little kids, make it Nancy Drew or Wonder Park. But for everyone else, I think this should be the movie you see. Even if you're generally not a fan of sci-fi, this isn't a hard sci-fi flick, so I think you'd be a little more forgiving of it. The only thing left for me to say about Captive State is the score. And Captive State gets a 10 out of 11.
There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of... Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And ladies and gentlemen, with that, it is time for the question of the week. So let us review the question and then let us talk about the answers we got. Uh, Once again, I forgot to send out the reminder on Twitter and Instagram because I'm a terrible person, but we did get an answer on SoundCloud. But let's get reminded of what the question was. Which movie genre would you like to be more popular? Be as specific or as broad as you want. So the answer we got was from Frat Matt, who says spy or realistic CIA or black ops. And I understand that. I get it. We do get a lot of movies that could be technically be in that genre, but not many that are realistic. And I think those are always so cool when you get something from that genre that is that is actually realistic. So you don't have to have any suspension of disbelief. You can just watch this film and go, yeah, this kind of stuff actually happens. Like a really well done military movie is is amazing. But my question for you, Frat Matt, if you're if you if you care to answer, is what is your limit on realistic when it comes to realistic CIA or Black Ops movies? Would something like American Assassin, based off the Vince Flynn books, be too out there just because how can one like how can one agent always be saving the world? Or is the fact that everything is theoretically possible, is that enough to go okay yeah that is realistic that i'd like to know Uh, but great answer for you let's see about the answers from the household and replies and says cheesy slasher horror movies and the likes of scream jeepers creepers and i know what you did last summer not using sex as a selling point and no overly idiotic characters who make infuriating decisions Uh, we were just talking about this and uh, we were talking about how there are actually some good examples like the latest halloween no one was overly stupid and there wasn't like some random sex scene, uh, Halloween H2O, the Scream movies, I Know What You Did Last Summer, things like that. And it would be cool to see more of those. But I think one of the downsides is is that during the 90s, we got so many of them that people are like, oh, we, we don't want to see those anymore. But I think enough time has passed that it's time to bring them back. Like the James Wan, uh, Jason Bloom style movies are great. I love them. I think they are good, good, scary movies. But there's also a place for these cheesy movies, and I think that we can have both side by side. And as for my answer, I was thinking, my my first answer was fantasy, like a good high fantasy movie. Because when you, if you just click on the IMDb page for fantasy, it has things like Umbrella Academy, Avengers Endgame, Aquaman, Hellboy, How to Train Your Dragon, Shazam, Supernatural. And those are fine, but I want a high fantasy movie. Give me a medieval setting with elves, orcs, uh, gnomes, dwarves. I want some of that shit. 
And being a little more specific, I would like to see steampunk. I'd like to see some steampunk in a big movie. I'd also like to see some urban fantasy. And I mean good urban fantasy, like like give me a Dresden-style movie, okay? That's what I would like to see. And the last steampunk movie I can think of was that one that came out last year, um, Mortal, in- Mortal Engines. But before that, I can't think of one. Okay, I had to Google it. So steampunk movies, Golden Compass, Sucker Punch. Van Helsing, Atlantis, a lost empire, city of Ember. Like, okay. I mean, some, they're vaguely steampunkish. I mean, the most steampunk one was mortal engines. That's on this list. They mentioned lemony snickets, uh, wild, wild west, the 1999 one with, uh, Will Smith. That, that was steampunky leave extraordinary gentlemen, steampunky. Sure. But we don't see it a lot. And I would like to see some steampunk movies. Well, let us talk about the new question of the week, and it's kind of a cop-out, but also something that could be fun. It's kind of bouncing off the last question we asked of what genre would you like to be more popular? Now I want to find out what two genres would you like to see combined? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's been done before, just a new movie's going to come out. What two genres would you like to see combined? You could do something easy and go, I want to see a sci-fi romance, or you can go something a little crazier. Like, I want to see a dystopian political slice of life thriller, whatever. Give me whatever you think would be really cool. So to reiterate the question, what two genres would you like to see made into one movie? Gotta be a better way to phrase that, but I'm a little tired right now. So, um, you know, when I remind you of the question, which I hopefully will this, this coming weekend, when I put out the reminder of the question, I'll hopefully rephrase it. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate the support. Thank you, Frat Matt, for answering the question of the week. So let's jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a five-star rating that will help us grow. Also, share the podcast with your friends. Go, hey, friends, listen to this podcast because it's awesome. That, too, will help us grow. And then leave a comment, answer the question of the week, uh, remind me of something I might have missed, or ask me a random question. Just comment, contact me. I'll respond. So how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, at BilliamSWN. Same for Instagram. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Be sure to check out the other podcasts in the network that is Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to check out great friends of the show, the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and I'll remember to introduce their ad next week. That's how lazy I am right now. I I do not want to go back and just edit in a little part of me going, oh, and here's this, here's our next break. I'm such a lazy ass. Don't forget to check out the somewhat nerdy website for all the latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, No matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.